morning. So how many of you have ever seen an episode of What Would You Do? It's a show on ABC hosted by John Quinones where randomly selected individuals are presented with a bit of an uncomfortable situation. For example, a waitress being harassed by her boss or an employee in a department store breaking down crying at the register while you're checking out. These are all staged situations, but the randomly selected people don't know this. Hence the name, What Would You Do? Then they're presented with a choice, to remain a bystander or to step in and speak up. So we just heard a brief overview of the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's kind of like, what would you do? So to set the scene, I want to go with you to Luke 10, 25 to 29. A lawyer confronts Jesus with the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers with another question, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. The man presses on further, challenging Jesus with a question, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus responds with a parable, but I want you to hear there's more to the story than considering the actions of the priest, the first man in our kids' video, and the Levite, the second man, unkind. When we understand the culture of the day and the context the story takes place in, not only are we able to see the dilemma the priest and the Levite find themselves in, but we also see the actual risk the Samaritan takes to help the wounded Jewish man. So if we're going back to the text, Luke 10.30, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So in the Middle East, ethnic communities were identified by their clothes, language, and accents. The man had been stripped and beaten unconscious. In other words, he had no identifying features that would have made him immediately and clearly recognizable to those who were passing by. So why is this important? Verse 1031, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So just for context, in this time period, priests were considered to be prestigious and of an elite class in Jewish society, so it was not likely that he was walking this 17-mile trek downhill from Jerusalem to Jericho, but riding. Whether he was walking or riding, you stop and you hear this and you say, ha, see, this man, this church leader, had no excuse not to step in and help the man who was unconscious and stripped naked on the ground. It had to have been a lack of compassion, shame on him. It would have been so easy to transport the man to get help. We're so quick to blame and to shame. Here's the problem with this mentality. In the priest's case, if he had approached the man and the man had been dead, as he likely appeared from a distance, the priest would have become ceremonially unclean and would have to go through a week-long process of ceremonial purification. And in that time, he could not eat from or even collect tithes, and distribution to the community would not have been possible. If by chance the wounded man had been Egyptian, Greek, Syrian, or Phoenician, the priest would not be responsible under the law, to come to the man's aid. What this does not mean is that he had allowance to neglect his priestly duties. Hear me when I say, 
This is not a defense for his lack of action or compassion, just a little window into what was likely going through the priest's mind as he walked past the man. And these are just a few of the possible consequences of what would happen if the priest had made any kind of legal mistake in this situation. Nonetheless, he saw and did nothing. And you ask, well, what about the Levite? Surely he could have done something. Verse 10, 32, so too a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him passed by on the other side. Levites functioned as assistants to the priest, and this particular Levite likely knew that the priest had gone before him. So when he saw the wounded man lying there unhelped, his conscience was probably eased. After all, not even his boss had stopped to help. What an insult it would have been to the priest, right, if he had ridden into Jericho with the wounded man whom the priest, in obedience to his understanding of the law, had chosen to ignore. The Levite, too, saw and did nothing. Leaders in the room, the next generation is watching you. There are some things in life that are caught and not taught. May we be mindful of what we are modeling. And a quick side note to the people in my generation and younger in the room, if you're ever under a leader that out of spite or personal disdain for someone chooses to ignore a need, pray anyways, act anyways. People should always come before pride and should always be the priority. Sometimes we get so caught up in our to-dos, we fail to pause and not just look, but see. This is exactly what the Samaritan does. Not only did the Samaritan see the wounded man and come to his aid, but he went on to bandage his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and when he took him to an inn, paid his bill, promising to come pay any debt he still owed upon his return. The Samaritan saw him and had compassion on him. This is mercy the compassion of God towards sinners, a readiness to help those in trouble. And I want to remind you that the tensions between the Levites and Samaritans were pretty high at this point. Today, you might equate it to opposing sides of the political spectrum. Some of you know the division the last election brought. Some of you have experienced the division of debates over masks and vaccines, the assumptions made about those people, whoever you have labeled as those. Can I ask when you pass the person on the side or in the median of the road holding a sign as you're pulling up to a stoplight, what's your first reaction? Your first thought? So often I hear, what a shame, just looking for drug money. And I see the look away and the pulling out of the phone as if we have something better to be doing. Or in everyone at the office regularly gossips about that one person that just can't seem to get it together, do you join in? Or do you stand up? Do you say, hey, maybe that person does have a lot going on right now, but how can we help them? What do they need? Samaritan didn't just do a good deed. He risks his life in transporting the Jewish man to an inn in the village where he was rather vulnerable to attack, might I add. A Samaritan would not have been safe in a Jewish town with a wounded Jew on the back of his animal, but he crosses the divide. 
extends a hand offering all of his resources, going the extra mile, literally, 17 of them to be exact. What boundaries have you drawn that are actually barriers between others and the absolute knowledge that they are seen, known, and loved by God? When you look at your neighbor across the aisle, across the street, across the office, do you see them? Do you know them? Do you love them? Or do you see their outward appearance, know all the ways you disagree with that person and love it when they leave for the day? The Samaritan takes an obedient risk, moved by compassion. Despite what others would think, despite the possible consequences, despite being different culturally, ethnically, and in social status. So can I ask you, are you willing to break through barriers of difference and division to demonstrate compassion and mercy? Jesus asks the expert in the law, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. So rather than asking plainly, who is my neighbor, what if we started asking to whom must I become a neighbor? To whom should I show the compassion of Christ? Who around us is in need and are we ready to step in and help? Even if it means that person looks different, talks different, lives different, or believes different. When we add feet to our prayers, we become participants in the blessing of those around us. This isn't the comfortable thing to do always, and it might require you to step out from your comfort, your normal, your familiarity. And you might ask, well, what's it going to cost me? Can I suggest we start asking what's at stake if we don't? If we don't start looking at people and seeing them instead of staring or looking away? whose eternity might be in the balance. I understand we all have busy schedules. And there's a lot to give our attention to. But this is not a struggle unique to us, nor something that no one has ever come up against. A chapter earlier, Jesus is speaking with a few of his would-be followers, testing and challenging their commitments to him. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We have a choice to prioritize our comfort and convenience as the priest and the Levite did or to show others the same compassion and mercy that the Samaritan showed the wounded Jewish man and that Jesus shows us. This isn't guaranteed to be the easy option, the most comfortable option, or the way the world models it for us, but when we recognize that when we reach across the boundary lines the world has drawn, lend a hand up, a listening ear, whatever we have that can help. 
we're not just offering our assistance, but we're actually demonstrating the love of God. So if I can offer a place to start in taking the obedient risk of crossing the divide to bridge the gaps, can I challenge you this week to sit with someone who doesn't look like you, who doesn't believe the same as you, is from a different walk of life than you, and see them, truly see them, a genuine how are you followed by the pause of silence after the obligatory I'm good, So as we head into 4th of July tomorrow, we have a great opportunity to practice crossing the divide to serve others who will, not probably, but will, have different values, different parenting styles, different ideas of having fun than some of us may. But inviting people in, whether through a smile, sunscreen, or a cold bottle of water, to experience compassion and kindness that says we might not do it the same, we might not see it the same, but we want to love you right where you are. Our service is actually an act of worship that might open a window into the heart of God for someone. 1 John 4, 19-21 reminds us we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. What a perfect opportunity we have to meet people tomorrow where they are, as they are, but witness to them a God who loves them far too much to leave them there. Anybody else wish they had it that together at barely 21 years old? Alicia, thank you for bringing a powerful word. Before we pray, there's just a couple things she said that I want us to hone in on a little bit. (laughs) What boundaries have we drawn that are actually barriers to people encountering Jesus? How will we worship through service this week? Will we add our hands and feet to our prayers to be the manifestation of God's love rather than just a nice word? Father God, we come before you today grateful that you first loved us, that you invite us to none of this in our own strength, in our own power, in our own compassion, but you invite us to receive your strength, your love, your compassion, your grace, your mercy, and allow that to flow through us to a hurting world. Holy Spirit, I am confident that you have brought someone to mind for each of us, someone or some situation that we have encountered, whether it is a family member or a neighbor, whether it is someone in the store, whether it is someone in our bridge builders group, Whatever the circumstance, you have given us an invitation to act not like the religious men who were so caught up in the law that they failed to see the people, but like the Samaritan who gave unselfishly, who risked unconditionally, 
and who loved with the love of God. May that be the transformation power in our lives this week. We thank you, God. May this word not just feel good, but transform us so that the world may know that they are seen and known and loved by you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen and amen.